Who am I? Are you sure you want to know? The story of my life is one that's gay as fuck. I'd like to tell you that that's me right there. Heck, I'd even take him. I'm me. Welcome all fellow queers and allies. We're going to be doing a commentary for Spider-Man 3. Now, the reason we're doing Spider-Man 3, I don't believe it has any queerosexual characters. Although, please remember, it is important to raise up one's allies as we are all in this together. Um, Spider-Man has a huge, huge, huge gay following. There's entire groups dedicated to how beautiful he looks um, in his spandex. I am a fan. I'm a, I'm a fandex, if you will. And uh, a lot of people like me. So I grew up reading comic books, and I think that comic book movies in general are very empowering for queer audiences because we project onto oftentimes the underdog, the people who are othered by society, but still want to rise above. I know that there's this idea, this generalized idea of queer people being at the epicenter of creativity, right? Or the epicenters um, regarding subculture or genre fiction. We have propelled many of these um, artistic endeavors. And, you know, it's justified and unjustified. If you read a little bit of a wonderful book called The Velvet Rage, it talks about how we are all in some way driven to that point of creation because of the way that our society is set up. So when we see our fellow Spider-Men, you know, or our Wonder Women, our Batman, um, and all range of superheroes, we see someone overcoming adversity, oftentimes overcoming trauma, oftentimes overcoming parental trauma, familial trauma, societal trauma, things that relate to us being ostracized or rejected or weird. This, this aspect of the comic book character being bizarre, weird, strange, deviant even. Uh, I mean, the Hulk is, is a literal monster when the green takes over, right? So there's this element of danger and what the superhero will do to society. We see that in a lot of movies, uh, even now that adapt comic books. Uh, not too long ago, we had Civil War, right? Where it was about a government deciding how superheroes fit into our world. And I think we as a society are very interested in that now too. I mean, the Superman is under fire. I'm not, I'm not waging a political war here. I'm saying we have characters like Homelander and Zack Snyder's darker Superman. And uh, um, what is that show with... Um, J.K. Simmons voicing the the super. It's, oh man, Invincible. Thank you. I looked at the 
screen like somebody gave it to me. But I want to look at Spider-Man 3 because this is one that when I watched it in theaters didn't work for me. And so I'm not going to be looking at the screen, your this screen, the use of it all very often. Uh, I'm mostly just going to be watching the movie uh, and I'd love for you to watch along with me. It's two hours and 19 minutes, so strap on in. At some point, my partner might come home uh, from work. So if that happens, just, you know, enjoy the spirit of live podcast theater. And um, I'm going to get up and count us down so you can start the movie if you're listening with the film on in the background. Um, then feel free to time with me. And if not, just don't worry about it. And you're welcome to just have this be an audio only experience. And I welcome in the comments or in the Q2Q email space, definitely let me know if um, if you disagree. That's what this is. This is a conversation starter. I'm not an expert, I'm a lover. So whenever I talk about something, it's merely my opinion. All right, I'm gonna go count us down. All right, I'm going to start the movie in three, two, one, start. Right now, you should be seeing the lovely lady and her light. I may have to adjust the sound a bit. Don't want it to be too loud at all. Right now, I have in my... I was celebrating manatees today because... My partner let me know that their numbers are up, which is amazing. Uh, uh, based on a recent scan, they're doing okay. And um, part of that is because eelgrass is doing okay. Okay, there's still a, a forward trajectory we need to hit in order for the manatees to be absolutely safe. But I thought it was celebration enough to bust out the cup. So this is a, I like this already, The juxtaposition between my lit face and the shadow, which is what this movie is, I guess, about. Already I can, I, I, there's a drop in quality. If you've, I'm gonna be referencing Spider-Man 1 and 2 a lot probably because I'm not here to bash the movie. I just, the series, I think I'm gonna, this is the first I've recorded, so it's a little experimental, but I think I'm gonna have it be either why it worked, why it didn't, and then each I'll kind of flip flop. And so this is a why it didn't for me. Drop in quality here is while the music is once again fantastic, you've started with the webs in Spider-Man 1 and the names being caught on it. And then in Spider-Man 2, you had those beautiful, beautiful artistic renderings. And here it's reusable, it's, it's, it's reused footage. I mean, that's, uh, it's not that it's not cinematic, it's just less cinematic. And also we, we already kind of, right now understand how confused the movie is because we've gone from webs and uh, images of the past into venom over 
taking the web, but also the Sandman's effects creating the words on screen with the Sandman's um, theme in the background a little bit that, which I like, by the way, the like if anything in the movie works for me it's a lot of the sandman stuff not necessarily the story of sandman but like the the execution of the sandman and the theme is something that is great so again it's um a, a less than beginning in my opinion and Hmm. Turn it down just a little bit. So I don't know if it's Toby or if it's the language of cinema, but there is something less interesting about it starting out with Peter going, everything is going so well for me. You know, in the last movie, it was, um, I, I look at Mary Jane's poster and I find her beautiful and I want to be with her, but I can't be with her and I'm sad. And also, by the way, I'm getting fired. In the first one, it was, I love Mary Jane. I see her on the bus and I think that she's beautiful. Oh, and by the way, I'm getting bullied and I'm getting my face slammed onto the ground. This one, it's like, yeah, I'm, people, people really like me. And there's some happy kids and then, and then a bully in the school that, that by the way, is not, is bullying in a way that seems a little the uh, overt you know it 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 seems tonally insufficient like there's something wrong about the way that they had peter parker be bullied it, and that's not what the if they're going to endeavor to say that peter parker is doing okay which could work if you're gonna pull the rug out from under him um but i I just don't think that it's as um, I don't think that it's as well executed here as they thought that it could be. I'm struggling to know what the movie is about. And in the first two movies in one minute, I know exactly what it's about. So it's just, I'm just saying it seems a little less focused and unclear, even in this scene, right? This point, Mary Jane is singing and for all I can tell she's absolutely killing it she's doing a great job hitting all the notes she has great stage presence and she looks lovely so I I suppose given what comes later it's a poor setup right now it's fine because this would allude it allude to both Peter and MJ kind of doing okay. They're both, they both have things together in some form or fashion. And here we go, James Franco, 
I have no interest in talking about James Franco as a person, but I will say that this is the first movie in the franchise where I feel like his presence absolutely did nothing. It 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 actually hindered the movie. In the first two, he seems ineffective, but actually that to me feels very right for Harry. If he's he's the guy who is not in his own skin. He's literally playing a, a role he is not suited for in all aspects of his life. So in the first two movies, James Franco's quote unquote bizarre choices were not charming, but they weren't supposed to be. You weren't endeared to him, but I don't think you were supposed to be. He seems kind of aloof and um, just sort of emotionally stunted in a way as Harry or 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 a lack there's a lack of connection between behavior and emotion and in this movie they are essentially treating James Franco as if his presence is the same as Willem Dafoe and that's a mistake you have to take it in a different direction if you're going to set up this whole idea of Harry being the next villain as we it's coming up now um it's it's just not smart you have to make it different because james franco will not bring what willem dafoe brought which is the the chaotic presence the um the actual intimidation so a new a, a different approach like even now him emerging from this green goblin tank is so much less effective than in the first one where Norman is having a, a essentially a seizure and then chokes his friend to death, throws him through the glass and has this like insane look on his face with his hands behind his back and he leaps up like an animal and you see him go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde, which is essentially the, the character. And once again, it's not focused. I don't understand where Harry ends and where Goblin begins. So not uh, not the most effective entrance for a villain. I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to feel about that. Am I supposed to be intimidated by James Franco walking out of um, that tank looking like an underwear model? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. This uh this part is pretty cute, I think. I like that we get they there should have been more of this. I actually I would say the I think part of it would be the more I'm thinking about it, it is a good idea to start the film off with I think it was the narration that was the problem. Maybe Maybe it was Toby's inflection because he has kind of like a this, you know what I mean? He has like the, he plays sad narration better. If you think about all the really great times he's telling a story as Peter, he's sad telling Aunt May in Spider-Man 2 about Uncle Ben's death. He's sad on the phone in Spider-Man 2 talking to MJ about why he 
is not able to see her play or was not able to see her play. Um, he's talking to Harry about the grave circumstance of Otto Octavius, um, you know, taking down the whole city. He's, he doesn't do positive narration as well. So I think that's what I was reacting to at the beginning, more so than it being okay that he and MJ are doing fine. And more scenes of Spider-Man just taking down villains. Also, it's, it's we're, I don't know how long into the movie. I'm not able to check time codes from this distance, but we haven't seen Spider-Man fight a single villain. And it probably should have been what we started as and not as a, not as because we need more action, but because we left Peter going into action right you know he he flies away at the end of spider-man 2 off to fight the bad guy so he should just be like fighting a bad guy and it doesn't have to be a comic book hero um villain story we don't have to have it be the sandman i mean it could it could have started off with him pursuing the sandman it, it really could have we could have started with that scene where sandman's attacking the the truck although we wouldn't have gotten the sandman sequence and that's I think most people agree one of the best parts of the movie. Um, I just think that we should have status quo Spider-Man for a little while. And you can build suspense, for example, you know Spider-Man's not going to die. But you can always have this um, tension at the beginning uh, of, is this other person going to die? And actually... Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it's not Sandman, maybe it's Gwen, which I'll talk about Gwen in a little bit, but that's the scene where she, I, I quite like the way that it's shot when the crane knocks over the the building and everything sorts, sort of collapses. It's a great sense of dynamic symmetry and physics. It's, it's really quite good. Um, and one of the most impressive things visually when he saves Gwen and things are slow-mo and it works for Spider-Man because of his spider sense. So slow-mo is not too much. All, by the way, Thomas Hayden Church, I think, does a, a great job in these scenes. I think that um, this is, before I talk about Gwen, I think Thomas Hayden Church is something that really survives this film you know his performance is great because he's he's kind of a simple dude part of what makes him work is that he's not a complicated criminal mastermind he's a he doesn't seem to be that intelligent he doesn't seem to be he's not evil he's not a, a he's not a bad guy he's <laughs> As if I'm writing the movie. He just had bad luck. I think, I, yeah, I literally just said that as he said that. It was weird. I didn't realize he was saying that. I positioned my computer. It's kind of covering some of the subtitles. This is my first rodeo at this. So I'm sure there's going to be many more mistakes. But uh, um, yeah, I, I think that's enough motivation. If we could go back and change the script, just having a father want to take care of his child and long for the love of his ex-wife who's tired of his shit that's enough 
We don't need it. We don't need the uncle bit. Okay, one more time before Bryn. The thing about the Uncle Ben death is it's it's like Jean Grey. It's the most important death in this canon. And you don't want to fuck with it. Same with like Thomas and Martha Wayne. You if you're gonna fuck with it, you should do it in the way that Telltale did it, where you're gonna change what we all associate Thomas and Martha Wayne with, which is this altruism. And that's where Bruce received his, his goodness, right? And if you change that, it has to be a vibration from A to Z. And in the Telltale game series, which I highly recommend, you can download it off the Switch store right now. And I think it's also just available online. Um, I don't, a PC, I think it's a PC. Don't quote me on that. I don't know. But, you know, that's, it's in its bones. It's in its flesh. Every single moment um, that is, that propels Batman in the Telltale series is because he has to come to terms with the realization that his parents are not who he thought they were. So, this to me changes nothing about ben ben is still an amazing father figure it's still it's still guilt that by the way in the last movie aunt may and peter healed from they were able to come to terms with their guilt aunt may's arc in spider-man 2 is moving on it and in this scene this is great this, this is a wonderful um, scene between Aunt May and Peter. I think all of this works. And it's also very okay that Aunt May is still sad about Uncle Ben healing from your, um, your sense of, I did this, I caused this tragedy to happen. That's different than never being sad again, you know. And so I liked that in Spider-Man 2, it was we know both Peter and Aunt May knew they are not responsible for Ben's death. But, you know, they're still going to be sad about him uh, for the rest of rest of their life, which is why that last scene worked. And that was just a sweet little scene. And uh, I don't I don't think this is how we should have transitioned. See, this is this doesn't work because I don't believe that james franco can do all of this in the last movie he was a petulant child and would outrage at any hint of peter coming to bat for spider-man and i don't see anything commanding i mean really the whole thing with harry is that he is not dominant he is submissive i'm not trying to make this a kink podcast i'm sure that'll i'm sure that'll be a common th thread but i'm saying harry osborne is the dominant personality what did i just say excuse me norman osborne also i hate that shut up that line read is that though that so this is this scene to me is bad poorly conceived um by the way i i can't do this i'm this is Sam fucking Raimi, don't, I'm just saying to me it doesn't work, but I, 
I would never, ever say I could do better. Um, please just understand that. But I'm, I'm Norman Osborn. Willem Dafoe is the dominant personality in their family dynamic. Harry was not. He was the submissive, always fearful of his father. And again, we're not talking kink here. We're talking actual sadism within the family uh, and neglect, also emotional neglect. So Norman is the power hungry one. And he was angry. The, the Green Goblin is a response. That's the thing that people, that's what why he worked so well in No Way Home, is he's a response to every piece of stimulus that's coming through. He's not, he's actually, as the Joker jokes, being an amazing schemer in The Dark Knight, where he says, I'm not a schemer. You know, I just do things. I'm like a dog. I don't know what to do if I caught the ball. I'm paraphrasing, but but the goblin juice, <laughs> the gas, I don't know. I would think it would manifest differently for Harry than than it would for Norman. I, he would he would be a different kind of goblin. And I'm not saying hobgoblin. I I actually knew the hobgoblin more because I watched the 90s animated series. So dumb middle school brain was like hobgoblin but that's too that's too oh here's this here's this other character that you know if nolan's trilogy actually going back to that is proof of anything is don't give us the characters you expect give us the characters that you or that we feel like we earned give us the characters that you like that's one thing nolan really did well is he didn't put a single character in in the trilogy that he wasn't inspired by that he personally didn't think he could execute because he's he has that sense of control over his movies and i know that Raimi loves the green goblin i don't know that he loves this version of goblin i don't feel the the love and also i just watched spider-man 2 and i don't know if it's because we're seeing more of james and toby's faces but it doesn't look as good there is something um not right about it anyway if they're gonna have a fight it should be that harry's not that good or it's more chaos or it should manifest in a different kind of fight give us something different he's not and he wouldn't be an epic goblin and also if you're if he was going to be that we're not going to believe it even beyond the fact that he's poorly cast, if that's the character that you want, because that's not in James Franco's, in my opinion. I didn't, I mean, I could be wrong, but he doesn't carry that naturally. At least not as, okay, not as Harry is written can James Franco achieve that. But doubly he can't, because we actually don't have any scenes where we see him do something. Him stepping out of the glass with the green smoke is not, oh, Rogelio Ramos, I love you. I love him so much. He's like an underrated actor. I saw him in um, the film that my film teacher did um, about immigration. He's And then he was also, he had a brief part in Sex in the City, the movie, but I just want to see him in more things. Anyway, that was that was it. I, th I think he has one more scene where he talks to somebody, but I'm like, hey, Rogelio, I love you. So anyway, mm. 
Harry Osborne would not be a good villain. I think I've talked that into a ground, but it would, but if you wanted him to eventually be that, then you really need to use this film as a slow burn. So if I know, I don't know if Sam Raimi was planning on doing four or if there was a plan to have a fourth and then have another director do it. But if you're going to do the Harry thing being this goblin, you need this entire movie of him working towards that, sucking at crime. In other words, this movie should have, oh, that would have been interesting to see Harry do his Spider-Man one. But the dark version of that because he's behind. That would have been cool. Anyway, we are about to watch the best sequence in the film. I think it's absolutely poetic and gorgeous. And I don't think, though, it should have been that he, like, the scene that we saw with his daughter probably should have come after this, right? Because where is this? <laughs> You know, like, I, I don't, um, I'm not, and that's another thing about the movie, the locations mean less. And thus the characters that fill them in mean less. I was thinking about this earlier. Spider-Man 2 is one of the best celebrations of New York and the people within it that I can actually think of. And I know that's prop that's silly to say, but it just, there's so much in it. It's so New York. And this movie feels way less New York, you know, in, in, in its bones and, I think if this were an island or a a testing facility and he was somebody that was being experimented on, maybe in a, because there, there are these in New York, these um, psych wards that look nearly abandoned. And if they're not abandoned, gosh, they're very startling to look at. And there are all these buildings. I mean, the New York buildings are so smushed together in some places that you're, you wouldn't know what's going on in all of them or what's going on underground. They could have done that and had him end up and that could have started the movie too. But, but then again, we're not here for Sandman. We're here for Spider-Man. In other words, right now, Hey Rogelio, love you. We are definitely having, you can tell at this point, that there are too many stories going on because we've been talking for quite a while and all we've been doing is establishing things. Another reason I think the Green Goblin was a mistake in this way, or the whatever kind of goblin, uh, this, I don't know what he's called, is it's such a, it's inconsequential. He fights once and loses his memory. Temporarily, sure, but if this is what you wanted this character to do, then maybe a different choice would have been having Harry actually meet Peter in at the beginning of the movie and say, you know what, my father, uh, and this would be an, a, a, a nice subversion. My father is very much in my head trying to, get me to do terrible things to you and I don't want to help me. And maybe there's um, maybe 
that wouldn't work because that's not you don't really have enough time for that but in other words maybe something could happen to harry where he's trying to save peter's life maybe he goes out onto the field to help peter and gets injured i think i'm struggling with this so much because i really just think that a lot of this does not work a lot of the the harry stuff does not work and if you cut it all out of the movie, would it would, in my opinion, be a stronger film. The Mary Jane and Peter stuff is cute, but I'm not I'm not sure why. It's feeling a little strange that they haven't talked about it. And if it, it should have been more of a thing in the screenplay. Oh, this is so cool. It still holds up. It really does. Oh, anyway, but uh, MJ not knowing that Harry, like Peter not telling MJ about his dad. I think he hasn't. It feels weird. His dad being Harry's dad, being the, the Green Goblin. He attacked MJ and nearly killed her. He terrified her. It probably traumatized her. In the first movie, why the fucking fuck after after Peter came out <laughs> as Spider-Man to her? Why didn't he tell her that Norman Osborn was the green fucking goblin? That's another thing is they there's a lot of assumptions being made where there's a there's not a lot connecting Peter harry and mj in this movie because in the last movie we saw them together because they were at events that either peter was working at and they are both high society people like the planetarium or they were in a room because the the event was for peter like his birthday they're really connected by peter and yet they're if they're going to try and tell us that MJ and Harry now have a friendship outside of that, yes, they dated in the past, but that's very different. And actually we would need more of an explanation to be like, Hey, these people who are exes are also friends. just not really established. So we probably could have actually used, if they're going to do this, maybe a scene where it's just Harry and MJ and not Peter. And they talk about something and they reference something or, um, or all of them together, and it's it's about the dialogue. And this is just stunning. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up for a second and have a sip and just watch this good work. I'm gonna turn it up just a little bit. It's a little better. And. And see, everything with this character comes back to the daughter. Nothing with, with Uncle Ben is really of consequence to the Sandman either. I don't think his character is thinking about it or, I mean, I think when they fight later, it's even, it's even a little bit like, what, what does it matter to you? What, what, why are you, why are you so angry at me? I don't, I haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> This is cute. I like the, I like this that's been built up. This, this is great. He's thinking about proposing to Mary Jane. 
I think we need a little, <laughs> this is fun. Um, and Toby, I think one of some of his best bits as Peter Parker are when he's fumbling around, like when he's pushing the brooms back into the closet um, at, in, at, in Spider-Man 2 or um, when he's falling and talking about how his back is thrown out and <laughs> just, I, I, I think he plays physical comedy pretty well as, as Peter. Um, and this is why there is no payoff because we don't see her being bad and I also think we could have used a little, maybe if some of the Harry stuff was out, we could have used a few more scenes of slow build, building of tension between them. And that could have been there from the very beginning because the look that she gives at the end of Spider-Man 2 lets us know what's in store for them. Also, this is very interesting about her father and... I think that would have been a little interesting to explore. They don't explore it at all. Anyway. See, this is a little abrupt. I think just it's it's a little more of the happiness and a little more of it's okay that he leaves, not just the ending of Spider-Man 2 where she says go get him, Tiger. We, I think in this movie, we probably should have seen him leave a few more times and it'd be okay. Also, I haven't talked about Venom at all because it just doesn't matter. Like it, it, we see a random meteorite land and I just, um, I don't know. I, it's so hard for me to devote any attention to it because it seems so, so much of an afterthought. Oh, I love this sequence love this sequence finally we can talk about and this is this is very sam raimi and, and i love the way he directs his extras to be just a little bit extra to play the the drama the heightened drama which pops when you think of like how vibrant all the colors in his films are i mean he he it's reality it's just a and and then some it's reality and then some he sam raimi loves the theatrical i mean evil dead Case in point, he wants he wants a little bit of elevation, and that's what we love about him. And we accept the reality of his world, and and um, it gives all of his extras more staying power. They don't blend into the background; they each have a significant energy. And um, yeah, I just love it. So Gwen here, Gwen is a not in an. Gwen is an anomaly because they really don't need her. And the reason they don't need her is because I feel like Mary Jane in this is kind of a hybrid between Mary Jane in the comics and Gwen Stacy in the comics. And they were doing some things in the first one where I thought they were evoking Gwen with Mary Jane's character, like the throwing the Green Goblin dropping Mary Jane in the first one. Although he drops Mary Jane in the 90s animated series into a different dimension over a bridge. And actually when I was watching it, 
that's what gave me my actual suspense. I, in those moments in the first Spider-Man, I thought Mary Jane might die. I thought Spider-Man might fail because of the animated movie. I thought they were maybe going to go there. Maybe not a, not because she's going to fall through a different dimension, but that was fucking traumatic when you're a child and he doesn't save Mary Jane. I, I, as a kid, it, 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 I was shook it. So anyway, I don't know why they thought I, and, and I know, I know why, because they want Peter to have more drama. They want more, they're trying to break up Mary Jane and Peter. But this is not the way. They already have, like, I, I think the the reasons that they have already are would have been strong enough to substantiate the screenplay where Peter's not seeing MJ. MJ is having a hard time and not communicating clearly keeping things like the maybe he's out to her as spider-man but also maybe there's just this element of him um not being able to be honest with mj that's enough to and the pressures of the job and this here to get here today gone tomorrow the realities of spider-man are what i think could have possibly started to drive them apart slowly. And again, over a longer stretch of time. This to me feels like it could work if it was 10 years earlier. At this point, he's been Spider-Man for a while. And, you know, he's more mature. He and MJ have overcome their more immature phases. They've survived death together. And they've faced immeasurable odds alongside one another and that's why i feel as though it's just a little juvenile to have a love triangle at this stage um and i have to say it's still good with jk here but there's a slight tonal shift it, it all still works but it's as if the it's hard to put my finger on how but the movie feels a little too aware of J.K. Simmons's effect on the audience because he's absolutely perfect. But the, the movie is just a little too, is having just a little too much fun. Like, right, like, so we talked about the heightening of reality, right? This desk I think kind of ruins the, the character. This, it doesn't ruin the character. That's me being histrionic. I'm saying I don't believe that his desk would ever look like that. And I don't know if Elizabeth Banks was getting bigger now. Maybe she was big from the very beginning. I'm not sure when Wet Hot American Summer was, was uh, released, but I don't, um, there's just, just there's just a tonal shift and Robbie by the way should have been getting a lot more attention than he got very important character to the to the comics and I think that this actor portrays him very well once again I haven't mentioned uh Topher Grace because like Venom the the well right now we still don't know it's a goo that landed it's an afterthought um so inconsequential he you could 
like Photoshop him out and edit his scenes out. And I think the movie would be a lot stronger. And it has nothing to do with me not liking Topher Grace as an actor. I think he's a fine performer and I, I get what they're going for. He's the dark side of Peter Parker. But as I mentioned, Harry is already the dark side of Peter Parker. So this is excess. Now, all that I'm saying, like Spider-Man 3, and I think people have talked about this before, it feels like a season of a show. Something that you could see played out over 13 episodes. And it's just not enough time to care about all of these people. Which is a shame. And nowadays you could do a, a Spider-Man show. And I, and I hope that they do someday. I don't know if it's... If we're all too in the the midst of the Han, the Han, the Han Holland, <laughs> the Tom Holland craze to to receive that, but and I know it would be incredibly expensive. Although streaming services and the streaming world that we live in have for a long time now been um, pushing the envelope in terms of what budgets uh, can be given to television shows. I mean, Disney Plus has how many fucking Star Wars shows at this point? Disney owns Marvel. They could absolutely do a Spider-Man show. So it would not be too hard, hard to pull off. Even that moment with Stanley, RIP, uh, felt a little too on the nose. This movie is just a little too on the nose. Just, just over the edge. Because that campy edge that Spider-Man 1 and 2 rode so perfectly. They just step off it a little bit. And see, this is stupid because they're not athletes. Oh, well, I guess they were said we were terrible. Um, I don't know if the if the scene if the film wants it to be about him reconnecting with Harry, then it can't also be about him reconnecting with MJ. Feels a little that that was bad. <laughs> That did not feel natural at all. None of this feels natural. Um, I don't know. Again, I think if if this movie is a, is just a hair over the camp, James Franco jumped off the cliff into the, the camp pool, which is fine in the right context. I don't think it's fine in this movie because it feels like he's in a different film. Also, that wasn't like who commissioned that? Would Would he commission that? I don't think so. Maybe he would, but we've never seen that picture before. Um, I guess it's conceivable Norman could have had it made of himself. Also, ooh, wow, he, he can open his eyes wider. That's so scary. Sorry, I don't mean to be sassy. This is... This is not... People talk about this being the bad part. It is not. The MJ having real struggles like just this the kind of struggles that people who aren't busting up bad guys every day would go through and it not being as important as peter saving a busload of kids from a madman with a gun that to me is great drama 
that to me is wonderful. The, the, all this stuff of, again, should have been directed to have her actually suck. And we should, as the audience go, oh yeah, she sucks. And she's going to get recast. Something bad should have happened. Um, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is we, we get it. We get it. Life is fucking hard. And the industry that MJ is in is hard. And we've seen her struggle to, uh, to keep jobs before. And I would love to see a movie about that where, where Mary Jane's life and her not being perfect affects the person who has to be perfect for the rest of the world. The, the, the pressure of being married to the man who saves the city. That that's great. That's great. I don't know that it should have played out like this way. Like the, um, the, I think the direction is weird here because why is she mad? Depressed and sad is where I would have taken it. I, I that's that's what I I guess I I think I would have steered it that way as Peter going, you know, the he 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 ignores MJ, right? Because he assumes her safety. He takes her for granted. And I'm sorry, there's just something bizarre about Toby portraying Joy like that. I don't know, it's I can't tell. I don't know why. I mean, he's very good in Pleasantville and Seabiscuit. He's a, he's a good actor. He's great as Peter. I. It's again, it's just over that line. It's just over that line. He's done nerdy shit before, but he was always very under. He underplayed it in in the first two. And in this one, I, I, I think oh, once again, he just dials it up a little, a little too high. And MJ's doing a fine job. I don't think Kirsten Dunst has a, a, a bad note in her career. It's, I think it's just the direction. I think it's, it's sad, not mad. And I, I won't say that again. It just doesn't seem like she, this would be the thing that would upset her. It would just kind of alienate her and make her feel isolated. Um, and maybe mad is a part of that, but I think the sadness probably should have let it. I'm repeating myself now. Uh, this is a really good scene. Again, anything with with the Sandman. But he's not a deep character. So I understand why the filmmakers thought they had to do other villains. But that's the beauty of it. You have a simple villain like the Sandman. He literally can just show up. Other than his little backstory scenes, he can just show up to exacerbate the plot, make all of MJ and Peter's problems worse. It's nice that they have that for once Sandman has no connection to Peter or Spider-Man. Dr. Octavius was Peter's mentor. Harry Osborne's father was Norman Osborne. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is, this is great. He's just a villain for Peter to catch. It can literally just be a couple of scenes. I mean, it, it really, we didn't even need the backstory. It could have just been the Sandman is attacking. Peter, you have to abandon your wife in whatever X situation to, to go do this. Um, as your wife is battling depression um, and feeling undesired, blah, 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 blah. And you're failing to live up as a husband and you're not sure how to communicate. And you're communicating... 
communicating poorly and you're going to therapy. Also, when you're having a therapy session, the the Sandman attacks. And guess what? You have to leave therapy. I don't know. That's my Spider-Man 3, I guess. This is so beautiful, though. Look at that. Mm. And this is really before Marvel was as it was the I mean, there was no MCU at this point. And now we take because the MCU is so ubiquitous, it's it's expanded out. And now everything has really great special effects or if it doesn't, it gets red to filth. And so when something like this really does have great special effects um, in, in at that time, it was just more it was more of a thing versus now i, I kind of just I'm like oh yeah the effects are great <laughs> i just don't care as much and um maybe just like peter with mj i take amazing special effects for granted now also i don't know but would an actress get fired for a bad review? That seems weird to me. I don't know. Because critics are just scathing so often. And I, you go through an entire rehearsal process with this cast. I mean, to fire a, a cast member, it just, I just feel like it would, it would need to be something a lot more severe. <laughs> you notice there's a couple of recurring things that I um, think about in this movie. It's, things are reverberating. Shazam, what? I did not realize that he said Shazam. Also, the, I think that child looked at, this, looked at the camera, but that's okay. I don't know. I don't. Um, this is this is something I, I don't think works because. This is a no, the world doesn't know about this kiss. Only Peter and MJ know about the kiss. We know about it. It's important to us because it's it's a perfect scene in a, a, an amazing film, but but in this context, they're treating it as if it's it's an iconic moment to the world that is being recreated in a shallow way. Um, and it's only that for MJ and Peter. So I just, yeah, it just feels a little um, imbalanced. Also, I do, I do like what Bryce Dallas, I want to just let everybody know, I love what Bryce Dallas Howard is, is giving. I've always thought that Kirsten Dunst was always more Gwen Stacy, really, than MJ. Gwen Bryce Dallas Howard is a really good MJ. Playing Gwen. Like in, in the context of this movie, like honestly, if you took Bryce Dallas Howard in Spider-Man 1 when they were still in high school, early college, and it was the roles were reversed, and he ends up, you know, go pursuing. Gwen a little more, Gwen being Kirsten Dunst. I could I could really see that love triangle working. 
um, a la, what was it, 2001 when the first one came out? I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe 2000. He's so, <laughs> he's like a robot in a, in a good way, though. He's so, I, because I, we have the, I, that's a really good choice to me because we have charisma in two very different ways um, with Otto Octavius played by Alfred Molina and the Green Goblin played by Willem Dafoe. It, sure, they're insane, whatever, you know, but they also are charming as hell. And sometimes that gets a little tiring when every, there's something, sometimes I, I feel like we need to ask ourselves the Joker question. Is this Joker? Because the, whenever the Joker, for example, stops to monologue or puts Batman in an elaborate, I could kill you, but let's make it really theatrical. In other words, you can't Dr. Evil the Joker because that's why he does what he does. He wants it to be funny. So it's not that, you know, even when Harley's like, why don't you just shoot him in the animated series? <laughs> It's like he goes into a whole thing about how Batman's death has to matter in this um, theatrical way. Also, the music, the music cue was weird there. I'm like, he's he's sitting down. Why is it triumphant? It, it wasn't a triumph. It's again, it's more the music is great, but it's more paint by numbers like we saw in the beginning where it's just kind of, OK, this is the theme. This And then here's the Sandman theme. It, it's it's not telling me what to think. I wanted to. All right, so we're here, and MJ is angry, and they're gonna eat. And um, why would they not have seen each other? By the way, after the, you know what I mean. So he's at an event, hanging out with MJ, and then they they don't go to each other's apartments, or they don't. I guess cell phones were a thing. Were cell phones a thing? Maybe maybe um, smaller cell phones, like the the little. The Mr. Big from Sex and City phones, not the elaborate iPhone. Anyway, it's hard. I'm I'm having a hard time with my technological history, but Bruce Campbell. God, I love this man. Once again, this is a great scene. It's it's honestly one of the most enjoyable in the movie. I think it's the best written. But also even the Bruce Campbell of it all is a little, he, he was, there's, this movie winks. The other movies don't wink. It may be hyperbolic. It may be bombastic and over the top, but it doesn't wink. This movie's like, it's Bruce Campbell. Like winking over and over. And it's not bad. Bruce Campbell's amazing. He can do no wrong. But in the first one, he was a serious commentator and you had to it wasn't so glaringly obvious that it was him you had to watch it again maybe and to go oh wait fuck that was bruce campbell unless you're a, a hardcore raimi fan of course you would have spotted immediately but for the common viewer you know that was a that was just a an eccentric one-off character so was the the little usher character moment in um spider-man 2 now it's this whole elaborate thing where this is now a person that it's it's almost as if the screenplay devotes too much attention to him. Like it's too important that he's here. 
when it could have just been a line of dialogue at the counter or even just him sitting down right now. I know he had to explain the champagne situation. It's the setup. It's the setup for the comedy, but, but the, the maitre d character doesn't matter but the movie seems to think that it does and i think that's something that's totally insufficient is we don't know what matters and what doesn't too much attention is devoted to too much that isn't mary jane and peter fucking parker why wasn't there a scene where they go to each other's apartments after what happened peter's been sanded the sandman escapes what where did she go did she she's been fired did did Peter have class? Like, have a scene about that. They just jumped to this restaurant. One thing that was great in Spider-Man 2 is you you were tracking the times where he wasn't with MJ. There was a reason why he wasn't spending time with her. He had other shit to do. There was just a sense of time progression in, in the first two, um, especially in the second one, that made it feel all the more real. This just feels a little less real. I don't... I don't know that I hate this. I think this is a little execute. Mm. This is a this is a bizarre moment. I don't know if it's Toby Maguire just not being suited for the material. I this is a hard one. This is a hard one because there's nothing really. Here comes Mary Jane. I mean Gwen Stacy to to make Gwen Stacy. I mean Mary Jane jealous. Anyway. Moving on from that thought. She's so good as Mary Jane, MJ. Uh, Gwen, MJ, get Gwen, Gwen. Swap roles. Swap hairstyles and hair color. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> I'm, an ins I'm the Green Goblin laughing to myself in this glowy light to the left of my face mm. the acting is all very good here especially from the girls toby toby is good too i think it's just we're not on his side something happens when he's being when he is being his thoughtless self oh my god i think i just figured it out peter parker is a thoughtful individual we have not seen the transition from thoughtful to nearly dismissive. You know what I mean? And again, this is very high school, Peter. Like, her polished fingernails, like, this is not... This is an earlier iteration of these characters. And um, again, it sounds like what Gwen would say. Also, Gwen in this movie, not to say, this has nothing to do with her gender. I would say this about somebody of any gender. You're a supermodel and a scientist? I don't know. I get it. Although, I might have just been very bigoted right now. I'm just saying it, it, it's, both of these things require a lot of time. I'm, I find myself very stretched between things and, and devoting your life to modeling and devoting your life to science. That's a lot of fucking time. Um, it's possible, but I don't know. I, I wanted it to be clear. You only have 90 minutes with this person. Is she a model or is she a scientist? You know, and maybe in the television series, we could get both, both sides of her.
And by the way, if you're listening, do everything. Don't pigeonhole yourself. I think our society is obsessed with choose. Choose your character. So I think this ring thing is a good device, but there's so much else going on that it matters less. Here we go. Watch. So thinking about the scene before and then thinking about this scene, why is why does Tommy McGuire work as Peter better here? I'm just gonna let you sit with that for a minute. Yeah. No. 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 I don't want this. I don't want it at all. Also, I don't, I love James Cromwell, but I don't believe that he is Gwen Stacy's father. <laughs> he doesn't seem like her father. He's, he seems, I don't want to say too old. He, it could be a grandfather. He look. he seems like a, a like a real, it would be a really great grandfather. Um, I don't know why why he's in this movie though because there's no i mean that's one thing that is one of the few things in my opinion that's better about the amazing spider-man films no oh my god it's so insulting let him rest let the man rest no oh i didn't realize how angry i would be watching this I mean, there's real injustices in the world. Only yell at a movie if you think it's funny. Because there's a lot of other things that that require your 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 pain, your your attention to to the pain and suffering of others. Go go deal with that. Don't yell at a movie. I just. That was a sacred death, and to mess with that is such a bizarre, bizarre choice to me. I don't understand. Another thing I think he's... Peter didn't get mad. He's not like a mad person. They're having Peter do things, they're play things that he's never played before. And we don't really see them grow. They just kind of come out of left field. Okay, so now he's all of a sudden an angry person that yells at a cop. He would never have done that in the last two movies. That The man we just saw is, I mean, I know he's changing, but we need to see the change so that we accept that this person that when a maitre d' said they couldn't go see their girlfriend's show and was being like a total responsible dick, a necessary dick for, for doing his job well and protecting the sanctity of the 
the experience with the actors in the house, but a dick nonetheless, a powerless dick. He let that man walk all fucking over him a movie ago. And now he's yelling at the, the head of the police. I mean, he's Captain Stacy, right? That just seems so weird. It, the, the anger, that's what it is. I think maybe that's what it, he was confused by. Why am I angry? Why are these people angry? Why is MJ angry? Why is Peter angry? Stop being angry. You should be sad, MJ, and Peter should be happy. And he's validating his happiness over yours, and that is what is pushing you apart. Also, I called you his wife earlier, and I'm sorry. Again, something probably better suited for a television. Oh, what if that's the Spider-Man television series that we are all waiting for? Is one that starts, it's like Lois and Clark, but it's Peter and MJ. We see their relationship fall apart because Peter is prioritizing his Spider-Man-ness over MJ's-ness, which isn't good to do. And, and, and Rosemary Harris even says, you gotta put your wife before yourself, your partner. So, I don't like this because... It feels like it's from a different movie. This feels honestly like a weird Batman thing. This this like dark flashback. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying like this, see all these black and white still photos, these crime images, it's noir. Spider-Man is not noir. I know there is literally Spider-Man noir. I'm saying this Sam Raimi Spider-Man, there's nothing noir about it. Not a single element to any character or any piece of its style. And yet we're getting Sp Spider-Man War. And I'm so sorry for Sam Raimi. Oh. Sorry, I just you know, he's got some juiceables. Anyway. I love Spider-Man. Very attracted to Spider-Man. I don't think that the movie knows how to substantiate this tone. Sam Raimi absolutely can fucking do this. He absolutely can do it. He is amazing with horror. But if you think about it, all the horror that he has is kind of campy too. It's it's real. Again, when Sam Raimi delves into the, the world of camp with a very, treating everything with real stakes. We're talking Evil Dead. We're talking Drag Me to Hell. We're talking Spider-Man 2. All of it works. 
I think in this particular context, he just wasn't into it because he absolutely and the the thing the thing about venom the reason you can't do this venom if you're gonna do it it really in it should have been the next movie the number four and like jurassic park three it should have been when sam raimi went you know what i love doing this here's someone that i trust make the movie about venom here's eddie brock go nuts you know what I mean? It's really what it should have been. And I don't like the way Venom is presented here. I don't like the way he comes to Earth. I don't like how Tobey Maguire is directed to play this this new version of Spider-Man. I don't like the tone of the Venom scenes. And that's where I'm going to stop with just the general criticism of, of Venom, because I don't want the commentary to become that, where I'm just um, upset that Venom sucks. And again, the you can tell that things are less well executed in this movie than they were in two, because everything just has a single, like a single thing happens, and then there is a payoff. So Harry gets the the goblinness, gets knocked out. Gwen is attracted to Peter, flirts with Peter. Mary Jane doesn't trust him. After they kiss, they kind of break up. They 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 feel estranged. Marco is released or not released. He escapes. Um, that has nothing to do with anything. It's really the the Sandman being revealed as the person who really killed Uncle Ben. And then immediately Peter goes to like kick the shit out of him. There's like, because there's so much stuffed into it, you really have to have each scene be set up and payoff, set up and payoff. Where really the the best things, think about the the side plot. It's either C or D. In Spider-Man 2, again, I love the choice to just have him not be a charismatic villain. He's just a man. He's just a he's just a son man. This is a this is a pretty cool fight. Not as cool as Doc Ock in episode two, Attack of the Tentacles. But... Well, something something about the way his leg stretched into sand had me spellbound for a moment. Oh, I like this part where he pushes his head up again. <laughs> That's very Sam Raimi. Uh, what was I talking about? Was I talking about Sandman? Was I was talking about Venom. I'm trying to think. Maybe it's not important. <laughs> water is your weakness how are you gonna drink motherfucker how are you gonna drink 
No, it's uh, oh setup and payoffs. So the Z story or whatever in Spider-Man Two is Rosemary Harris's character is uh, what is the whatever? Well, that joint. There was nothing like that in um, the first two. And again, if you're gonna make your third movie crazy like that, then have everything be like that. Not don't have it juxtaposed with the darkest stuff with the venom nonsense. All right, bye. Now you're out of the movie. Okay, I'm gonna get this out. Rosemary Harris and then <laughs> he drops his hair. No, you don't need that. No. No. Anyway. So you have her generally at the beginning of the birthday being like, oh yeah, I'm 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 a little behind and I'm she has a breakdown uh kind of out of nowhere that she really, really, really misses Uncle Ben. Then later they're hanging out and I think they're looking at the grave site. She goes, yeah, this is all, you know, it was all my doing because he wanted to drive you. And then I suggested I should have stopped him. You know, and if I had stopped him, he would still be alive. And then we have another scene where they talk about it when she's moving out. Oh, and even that, there's a scene at the bank where she's trying to get um, to refinance her home and they deny her, the guy from Soup. Um, and, or not Soup, something Soup. And then Community. Mikhail? Kevin Mikhail? Something Mikhail? Joel Mikhail? And, and then, yeah, they, they sort of reconcile that. And like I said earlier, they heal from their own guilt peter and it's not an immediate thing like in the scene where peter goes i've tried to tell you and i finally told you that i was respond that i wasn't that i was responsible in a, in a way for letting that guy go to go shoot uncle ben that they don't resolve it immediately there's another scene mj and peter in the second one i'm gonna come see your show you're coming you didn't come see my show fuck off i'm getting married you can't stop me from getting married. Actually, I'm going to come see my your show and I'm going to start showing up for you in a way I never have and I'm going to confuse you. Uh, we need to meet again after MJ kind of contemplates whether or not she still wants to. And then he says, no, actually, you know, never mind. Actually, I'm, I am going to not see you. I, I'm, I actually am going to forego pursuing this as a relationship. And then... At the end, he says, yeah, you and I can never be. And then she comes. In other words, what I'm saying is there's this and then 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 a payoff. The 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 quick turnaround in this movie is a real shame. So revenge. Revenge for me. Here's my thought. If you're going to explore, again, someone other than Sam Raimi, because he didn't want to. If you're going to explore Spider-Man's revenge, 
you have it be the fourth movie. And it have nothing to do with Uncle Ben's death. Kill off MJ. Kill off MJ. The character that everything has been about. At the beginning, it's all about a girl. That girl. The girl next door. Mary Jane Watson. Oh, and answer my question! That was probably peaking. But they do have cell phones. He's painting a vase? Oh, my God. He's painting. James Franco painting. I can't. It's too much. He has a smile on this movie. Woo! I wonder how high he was. No problem. There's nothing wrong with um, with the puff. Nothing wrong with the puff. Maybe not while you're at work if it hinders your performance, but then maybe it doesn't hinder your performance. I don't know. Maybe he would have performed the same had he not been high. Maybe he's not high. He just looks really high right now. But you know what? And I'm I'm you know what? We're gonna just uh we're gonna not finish that sentence. Bernard, you do great acting in this movie. The thing is, is that you should kill her off because it's the only thing that's significant enough that then would really, really change Toby as Peter in Spider-Man 4. And that's when you bring in the Venom to creep in. He would want revenge if someone fucking killed Mary Jane. Yeah, he would. Maybe the person that kills her at the end of the movie is Harry Osborn. Hmm, maybe. Because he's not the villain of Spider-Man 3. He's developing his villainous self. And at the end, which connects it again to Spider-Man 1, when his father failed to kill Mary Jane and end Spider-Man, his son finally succeeds and exceeds his father's expectations, kills Peter's girlfriend, destroys Spider-Man as we know him, the good, the force for fucking good. And it feels worse because we saw them in happiness, growing apart, coming back together, but nothing's really sorted out. And it's snuffed out by gobliny goblinite. Even if it's not the goblin, somebody. And also that would make way for Gwen in this movie, which I think given the, given the context for the scenes they seem to be interested in, I think the lover of Spider-Man is a lot more interesting. What I mean by that is the pushing away the fact that she's a scientist again making her basically mary jane also i'm not going to comment on the scene i'm just i'm just not going to do it the uh <laughs> it's so distracting though can't look at it i'm gonna look at my manatee cup find happiness and solace there no i i i think what would be really good is if she's just a side character here and you know if Quinn is sort of developing a 
a feeling feeling for Spider-Man, not for Peter. Which doesn't need to affect Peter and Mary Jane in any real way. I don't think she needs to again be a catalyst, but this this idea she's the model he saved and then she's promoting Spider-Man all around the city and like raising him up and making the Spider-Man fan club and all this stuff and in the second one and you can you can have them meet. I think it would be better though if he's photographing her, not that he's going to school with her. He's photographing Gwen Stacy so that she can have portfolio or whatever. It's like a, it's just a job, you know? In other words, it's just a job. And maybe she even wants to like get pictures with Spider-Man. You know, I mean, I don't know how that would work because he is Spider-Man. But in other words, um, she could seek him out, you know? It could be Gwen being like, yeah, I, I came to the Daily Bugle to hire you because... Um, you take pictures of Spider-Man and I love Spider-Man. So it could be some fun scenes of him having to take the pictures but be in them. That that could work. Some slapstick, screwball, some like it hot situation where he's, he's only tempted, because I think he really has to be tempted by her. It's not about thinking that what he's doing is okay. He's tempted by her as Spider-Man because it's easier in the moment. And he's realizing that he's, he's just been riding the adrenaline of, of this Spider-Man vehicle. And that's why he's been neglected. And that's actually what would pull him back towards Mary Jane. And then she dies. But then, what I think would happen in this fourth movie is that the Gwen relationship could start to materialize a little more. She could be there for Peter in his time of grief and not to replace Mary Jane. It wouldn't even be about them getting together, but they would become real friends. In other words, like, um, and it wouldn't be sparks fly. It wouldn't be anything. Cause you'd really need that entire movie to help to see Peter get worse more Mary Jane, or uh, yeah, more Mary Jane and have Gwen be the one that kind of builds him back up in some way. And then if there was a fifth movie with a little bit of a time jump, maybe you could do a, a Gwen-Peter romance, but he would have time to heal because he's been in love with Mary Jane for, for so long. Maybe they don't even have a romantic relationship, him and Gwen. Maybe it's just a, um, a deep friendship. That would have been just fine. So... I think all of the stuff with Mary Jane and Harry's relationship again could have worked in a television show because they have dated in the past. And so it could be this thing where she's, she's called by Peter. Also that was not menacing. I, I, I'm not, I'm not threatened by that dynamic. She's called by Peter. Harry? I was distracted by Olga or whoever. I don't know. She, she just comes in like a wrecking ball, this girl. But MJ and Harry could slowly, over time, you could see it slowly build that he really is a, a solace for her and they develop their... They, 
the thing is, is you would need to see it develop into a friendship first. It can't just be a friendship because it never was a friendship. And then you could see a mistake happen in episode eight or something. But as it stands, it just seems, it just seems like something that wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen in, in the context. It wouldn't happen in this execution. It could easily happen, of course, but in this context, it doesn't feel real. And that's, and that's really what the overarching problem is, I think, with most all of this, is that it's nothing actually wrong on paper. It's just that it's not executed in a way that feels real. Even this. It doesn't feel... Well, I take that back. I mean, it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good because we know what she's going through. It's actually pretty, this is actually pretty heartbreaking. I think I just, I think I was um, pushing back against it because I know that this is the motion of what Harry has, has kind of, put gas behind and whenever that was the case in the past um, when it was Doc Ock or or Norman Osborn you're like oh yeah like ooh, you know whenever goblins can Spider-Man come out to play <laughs> or you know I'll peel the flesh off her bones she'll be just fine let's talk you know you you believed him. You believed the stakes of those villains. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I think this is just the villain problem. It's just the villain problem. Oh, man. I wonder if this is, I wonder if this is always what was planned for James Franco's character. You know, this Spider-Man flew too close to the sun. This to Toby, this is where you know Toby Maguire flew too close to the sun. Because he, let me be honest, Toby Maguire's Spider-Man should never get what he wants. Not really. Maybe he has, I mean, obviously fleeting moments of success, but whenever, for example, Tom Holland gets what he wants, you, you're like, yay! Whenever Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man gets what he wants, you just don't want to see it happen. Oh God, James Franco looked so high right now. <laughs> it's cracking me up. Maybe he's not. I don't want to, I don't know what I'm talking about, clearly, in my meandering commentary. Um, but <laughs> I just can't even talk right now. He's cracking me up.
this moment, this moment, this moment. Why? What, what, what was that about? What? Did he pay? <laughs> I don't know. Coffee in green. The green coffee. Oh, that's his name. His dad was the green goblin. He's the green coffee. Well, again, less intimidating. This is good. Again, you had to, it's like, it's like Daniel Radcliffe's bond. You sort of always have to have him being motivated by rage because that's what he does well. Sulking Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker is what works. Even in No Way Home, he was sort of that. And he was great for it. Do what the actor is good at doing. This should have been more, you know, dialed to the right a little bit. This actually all could have worked with James Franco. The the person who thinks he's a really great evil villain, but is not. The person who thinks he's a real like, diabolical force, but isn't. That could work, but it's just not, it's not put that way. And also the amnesia thing accomplished, it really, all it did was buy... It, all it did was buy them time. It didn't really have any narrative consequence to him. And also, I don't like the quickness of, like, how, oh, you've had brain damage and now you're fine. It just, that kind of nullifies the impact because it's your fucking brain. That's a big, it's a big, 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 big deal. The biggest deal of any part of your body body so um doesn't heal that well it's like in hush where batman has brain damage and then in a, a few panels later is fighting like poison ivy and killer croc like no superman i think he fights superman controlled by poison ivy like this is a beautifully drawn comic but god damn it Uh, she looks cool though. I think the music is just a lot of trumpets because we don't know. We don't know what to, to feel. Is it? Are we worried that Peter will go too far? Again, this, you know, what would really have worked is if it wasn't. So we have. This is, in other words, the problem is it's kind of too similar to the fight they have at the beginning of the movie. It's the, it's the Darth Maul fight, you know, and in, remember when Obi-Wan, Plinkett talks about this, Mr. Plinkett, of course, from Red to Letter Media, you should watch all his stuff before you watch any of mine, but he talks about how Obi-Wan is really mad that he killed Qui-Gon and goes, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to get you and like rush through to the other side. The fight takes on a different speed and a different energy. Maybe not enough, according to some people. But in other words, 
even though there's probably that's a bad example because there's not that much difference between the fight before and the fight after but this should have felt more brutal maybe it's not scored as an adventure fight as a comic book Raimi movie fight maybe it's just a bunch of silence and loud smashes and awkward silences where he's really beating the shit out of his friend again in movie four not movie three after he's harry's killed mj this is also a sort of moment where <laughs> i'm gonna put some dirt in your eye <laughs> I think that what's funny about all of this stuff with Toby, though, is it works, again, for movie four. It all works, but I think people's reactions to him needed to be refined. I'm thinking about this right now because I'm writing a D&D &D script, and it's D&D &D players interacting with the real world. And it, it, community, the Mikhail of it all strikes again. Community does a great job of this, of, of knowing, of always telling you what is, in other words, the world around the, the, the community only reacts in equally elevated ways when the circumstance makes it extremely clear. In this movie, People should not be reacting to Toby's character like, you're so cool. They just would not. It kind of makes sense because in another podcast, we're talking about this, I don't remember who, they they mentioned that, you know, he was kind of emotionally stunted and he didn't get socialized, him being Peter, which is, again, why I think Toby Maguire's performance is really good, actually. He... Um, he grew up with, like, two old people... He was a loser in school and um, I was distracted by all this stuff that doesn't matter. So, so all of the things that he's doing like right now is what a, what a guy that's um, 40 years older than he is would do to be cool, right? He's doing like some greaser thing or whatever. I don't think people should act in a way that affirms his coolness. They should say, wow, you're a real loser. Or other than maybe Urkula, because she is like a simp for him. But uh, everyone else, and actually that would be, ooh, that would be a moment actually to reinforce that he's he really has gone off the deep end because the only person that's giving him attention is the one that literally simps for his attention and we as the viewer would really project upon her because she's being taken advantage of by this person that you know is really just using her like this moment like would women that's correct that's correct but then there's the but see some of the extras see what is happening who I don't even that movie does that one scene doesn't know and then we have Elizabeth Banks super fucking hot babe she's reacting to him like he's he's 
fucking Val Kilmer in his Iceman days. Like, what are you talking about? No, this is insanity. Would would J. Jonah Jameson be intimidated by this fuck? No. No. It should... This is when you actually could make it be a... Con what was that reaction? Did she like it? Did she not like it? Is this... Is this a moment where... Um, okay, again, it's played for laughs. Elizabeth Banks in the corner going, ah! Like, I just need clarity. I need clarity. What, what are these women going to do? One of the... Literally two different reactions right next to each other. The lady on the left was like, huh? And then the lady on the right was like, huh? That's... Is that what this uh, this movie is so diffracted? It's so split. Oh my god, it really is so confused. Again, that's good. That's good. The women like absolutely. And then another woman smiling and going, mm, and the and the guy walking with her, presumably her boyfriend, because of the way he's like, come on in. No, don't look at that guy. Don't look at that hot guy. No! Again, like Harry, who shouldn't be an actual cool and suave supervillain, he should be a person who thinks they are and isn't. Harry, or excuse me, Peter, should think that he's like a super fucking suave dude and he's just a big loser still. But it's kind of interesting to see him who has already been a loser for so long be... <laughs> be a loser and not care like that would be great and there would be this moment of maybe he maybe he leans into and again it would really echo what uncle ben said in the first one like just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to but he forgets about that that would have been so cool here we go mj and peter i mean gwen i mean there's gwen i mean there's peter <laughs> she's really so good as mj this uh bryce dallas howard there oh my god she should be and then in a see that's unclear that is unclear it should be much more like ew like right here she should when he's looking away go oh my god or something like that so he's going to indicate that he's not fitting into the world, that it's not, he's not being affirmed. So again, weird realities. We also should have probably seen, whoa, old girlfriend. How much time has passed? I guess a lot of time. Because, okay, so MJ has, once again... We're already in another, we're in another movie. We're in a later movie where MJ has a new job. Ugh. Too much. It's too much. Oh my God. What is happening? This is a, sometimes my, something so crazy happens every, every now and then. <laughs> my partner are like, this is just a choice. Oh man. This is from a different movie. This is from a different movie. This is from Deadpool. This is Deadpool. Oh my God. 
say anything. <laughs> I mean, the only explanation for this is that he has some kind of magical uh, power, like a poison ivy, pheromone, everybody's affected situation. Oh, MJ, you are so hot. Like, what a great... Again, MJ! Fuck! Such bizarre switcheroni. But anyway... As they, I mean, it's really, really, it would be really good in a, why wasn't that like at the high school dance? I guess there wasn't, there wasn't really space for it in the first one, but. And that could happen. This would happen, but it's too late. This is Peter when he is younger. You wouldn't do that right, right now. It's just too petty. It's too petty. There's the stakes are simultaneously too big over here and too small over here. And I'm supposed to care about Sandman collecting himself. I'm supposed to care about MJ's struggles, but also Gwen and Peter. It's it's just a lot. Also, where the fuck is Rosemary Harris? She hasn't been in a, a movie in so goddamn long. And and, and that's always a a mistake, unless it's a Spider-Man far from home situation where literally the point is that he's, you know, away on a school trip, which was fun. That's a fun movie. Um, oh, I think this could have been the end. What if that was the end of, 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 of the movie? Maybe, Maybe instead of her dying, he gets this new suit and he's he needs it. He he loses to Harry or some shit. I don't know how. Maybe not Harry. He loses to a villain that isn't Harry. <laughs> I can't see that happening. Um and he's he's overwhelmed. And he feels like he needs the suit. And he gets he gets into the. It's not that he's obsessed with power because that does that does not track for Toby. He's not Anakin Skywalker. He's not obsessed with power. But he gets. Um, if anything, it wouldn't it wouldn't be power hungry. It would be like security um, focused. It's that it's that military person that lives too long in their head that of protecting everybody. Um, changing everything around them or being hyper fixated on what could go wrong. You know, that's what I feel like it would manifest for the Peter that we know. Um, but anyway, and then he starts to see threats everywhere and then he can't recognize grace from threat and he, he knocks her down and she says, who are you? And he's honestly like, I don't know. And, and I don't care about this. I don't care about Eddie Brock. Again, it's one setup and one payoff. And it's narratively insufficient. He, he was 
kind of rude. He was he was kind of getting more attention from Peter once. Kind of trying to get his job once. That's the same scene. Then he annoys Spider-Man once while trying to take his picture. Makes it a fake. Again, all in just a couple of scenes. And then Peter gets him fired. There, th that's the kind of relationship that you need three, four, five episodes to kind of develop is, is Eddie Brock. And they do in the animated series from the 90s, which got so many things right. It's not quite as good as Batman animated series, but it's still really, really good. That Those, those two shows along with the X-Men animated series in the 90s are still absolutely top tier. But uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't think you had the space here to really believe that Eddie drove Peter to this in any way, or that Peter drove Eddie to this in any way. It's just not substantiated. And maybe some people who read the comics would just get it because they've read it, but that to me isn't enough. Also, if a giant black goo thing were to drop on your shoulder, wouldn't you leave? Why is he staying here? Also, he can he can clearly see it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure about this. I do think it's pretty hot, though. What do y'all think of the movies, Venom? Venom 2. Hmm. This part of the movie is good because Tobey Maguire is playing sad. The lighting is very stark here. like he's in a hospital it's really good that was really good framing is that a picture of Gwen that's not a that's not a um Mary Jane should play Gwen joke on the right there there's like a blonde woman with a nice face and oh that's a good moment oh yay you can always count on the Rosemary Harris scenes I'm going to use maybe another scene of, of her coming to the apartment for, for something maybe with, maybe for just a, a couple of drinks with MJ and Peter. She could have brought something to the scene, you know. Maybe like, you know, I noticed that you didn't have this, so I brought this. Just makes it feel like she's more of a constant presence in his life. Or if she's not, like maybe this is one of those scenes where she comes over and he, and she's like, you know what? You haven't seen me in a while. And that actually is great. I think I would have liked to have seen that where we get the sense that not only is he neglecting Mary Jane, but he's fucking neglecting Aunt May. 
asshole. Like she's she's never she hasn't seen him in a while. Maybe we even see MJ go visit. There's there some scenes in the animated show. I actually just watched an episode where she goes to um he goes to Aunt May's house to see her and he sees Mary Jane leaving. And she goes, Yeah, I was worried about your aunt, and she just fucks off. She's like, bye. She's just some like quit say stay tight, Parker. By the way, like that Mary Jane is just goals. She's just so good. But anywho, she runs away and it's like, yeah, she in this movie I feel like she would do that too. <laughs> Go see Rosemary Harris on her own accord. I think that's a good scene, but I will say that having just watched the second one, she doesn't save Peter in the way that she saves him. It's so weird. This is the this is the most lazy getting two villains together ever. End of the line, Spider Man. He's in a he's in a random alleyway, and 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 Venom just happens to swing by. Why couldn't it have been that Venom stalks him or something? Well, Venom shouldn't be in this movie, so I'm not going to acknowledge his presence anymore. The the thing with Rosemary Harris in the second one is she he he even repeats her line to Otto Octavius. Sometimes we have to be steady and give up the thing we want the most. Not only does he use that to save Octavius, her line of dialogue, that line of dialogue, is why Peter returns to being fucking Spider-Man in the first fucking place, so that he could go save Mary Jane and subsequently the entire city. This is good acting, but yeah, I just, again, it's just not as, it's just not as effective. It's the second movie, just not as effective, not as clear. There's even a scene like this in the second one where she gets out from the play and looks and thinks, oh, is that Peter? Is Peter over there? Mm -hmm. But I'm just less sure how she's feeling. I think this is the end because I remember her being in this outfit when she's in a car. Why? I have a question. Why does he do this to her? Wouldn't he do this to Gwen? Because... We see, we only see him like affected by the fact that Parker is um, flirting with Gwen. You know what I mean? Outside the, the building. Maybe. Or does he just talk to Captain Stacy about her? I'm not sure. But what I can say is it feels like he would have no context for Mary Jane at all. Yeah. I guess he could research, but in the first movie, you have the Green Goblin literally ask Harry, who does Parker like? First he goes after, I mean, he knows the aunt, right? That's his aunt. He goes after her. So I guess Venom could have gone after Rosemary Harris. Maybe after she's leaving the apartment, he could have taken Aunt May. Anyway, but 
he literally had to get that information from Harry in order to know that Mary Jane is the person who he loves in order to use her as bait. So in this movie, it just kind of seems flippant. Like, well, what is the thing that you do if you're a villain? And you, you pick up Mary Jane Watson and you put her high in the sky, which seems, I don't know, like not the best thing for her character. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. <laughs> That was a comedy shot. Her looking outside the cab. <laughs> no. Oh, that was funny. Um, it's not a, it's not wholly bad. It's just uninspired. This this thing with Mary Jane. Also, Bernard again, once again, is very fuck that. Fuck you. One side of your face. Oh, I thought Bernard was coming. But yeah, that's not, that would not have happened. I saw what fucking happened. It would be way worse than that Two-Face. What are you, Two-Face? Actually, no. I was about to say something stupid. I was about to say James Franco would have made a decent Two-Face, but. I. <laughs> CD. ACDs. Oh, it is Bernard. He has great moments in this movie. What a class act. Thank goodness these um these great classic character actors like this guy and Rosemary Harris are keeping the movie dialogue going. What is this Joker smile thing called? I don't like it. I don't like that at all. Because it doesn't feel like anything. It's just a thing. It's just a thing on his face now. There's no... It doesn't have any real consequence. Because his beauty was never a part of his character. He never used his beauty for anything. Yes, James Franco is a beautiful man. But... It was, it was basically just a non-factor. Like on one of the shows that does a great job of this is Mad Men. Because there's a lot of beautiful people in the show. And it's always a part of their story. So whenever January Jones perceives herself as less beautiful when she is very large. Uh, again... I'm saying she perceives herself as less beautiful. It's a part of it. And we see because of the way that we are very sizist in our society and the expectations for women's bodies are like astronomical. Um, we, we see everybody react to her differently when she looks less, according to the time, aesthetically perfect. According to the time in general, less aesthetically perfect. And like, okay, so James figured that was a good shot. Um, James Franco has scars on his face. Well, I don't know what that means. So many things happen to James Franco and I don't know what they mean. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't matter. I also don't think that, <laughs> I, th I don't think that this, um, this news reporter is believable as a news reporter. I will say that this is that 
she's the extra that goes too far for me. She's not an extra. She's she's a full on actress. I'm just saying that I think it's it's probably the the worst performance. I'm so sorry. This feels so mean, but it just feels the the it's like it's the worst performance of a television news anchor in a movie that in in these comic book movies. There's a lot of them often where it's ha 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 ha. I don't know what your character is, so I don't care. Are you are you like the Joker? Are you like are you like Two Face? Are you like Killer Croc? I I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't know what you are. I don't know what this is. I'm thinking humiliation. Really? Oh. Oh my god. Yeah, it was like one scene ago. It, it, this has to be more of a thing. Like we, we if you're going to be petty, if your character trait is that you're petty. Did he? Again, we don't have enough scenes to see that. We don't know that. You're just telling us that that happened. It, we don't feel it because we have to hear it. That was good. Is that the is that because she didn't get to hit the the Dr. Octopus in the back of the head in the second one? We had to see her throw a a brick. That was cool though. I just don't I guess I'm I'm just feeling like she shouldn't have been in distress in this one. The reason I had a feeling about this earlier when I started to watch it is it should not have been about saving Mary Jane's life. It should have been about saving mary jane's happiness it's saving mary jane in a different way saving their marriage um protecting her in a different way recontextualizing what it means to really show up for somebody you're not there's nothing to be gained there's no arc what the fuck what is this it's what is that what was that no hang on mary jane no that's not i don't Okay, Sam, I look kind of cool. This looks cool. What I'm saying is we've completed that arc, right? We've seen that. We've been there. We've done that. His thing right now is that he's very good at, as in the, or at the beginning of the movie, his thing was showing up as Spider-Man was, was what he was good at. Showing up as Peter was what he was not good at. And so he he shouldn't have saved MJ as Spider-Man. In the con in the in his comic book world, which is what's happening right now with this big fucking monstrosity, he should have saved her in Peter's world, the world of their humanity. That to me would have been would have been a lot stronger of a choice. Alas, we have this, and that's so. These that scene of him almost saving her. Think of think of the last few times where he almost. He was about to save Mary Jane. That slow motion shot as she's falling away in the first one. And then when that thing is about to topple her in the second one. And he goes, nah! and rushes forward and holds it. This is really heavy. And they have that cute exchange. 
see, look, listen, look. It's hard. The brutality of it. I don't know how you could take it. What is that newspaper? No news person has ever sounded like that. The brutality of it. I don't know how much longer you could go. It's, I was waiting for this because it's such a, it's so hard. I, I can see how it would be very hard. Oh, I don't care. It's James Franco. I can see how it would be very hard to be a good news anchor because there's a very specific cadence to the way that they talk. And sometimes in movies, it does feel a little unrealistic the way that they talk. But that is an, a whole other level entirely. Just, <laughs> I honestly have to, um, I feel like, I don't like to do TikToks where I'm making fun of somebody because, first of all, I couldn't do better. And second of all, it's it's there forever. And if I were to do a TikTok of that one scene of that news reporter, it would have, I think it would be a little crass, but certainly it would warrant it. That's all I'm going to say. Why also is his costume ripped the same way that it was in the first one when he's fighting the goblin? That's stupid. I don't like it. I guess because it's the... Self-fulfilling. Also, no, 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 no. That happened way too quickly. The audience, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy that they are already good. That just does not. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Again, this is several episodes in a goddamn season. A fucking season. Also, I love that that extra is so extra. That woman, she, I just love that she knows exactly where her light is. She showed up like with the hair and the makeup. She is, she is representing her headshot well. She even hopped in. She's clearly to the right, or excuse me, to the left of uh, J.K. Simmons's arm, and she popped back so that she could be in the frame. I love it. Also, what is this again? Um, his character was just pushed a little bit over the edge. It's still very good. J.K. Simmons is never bad, and he's certainly never bad as as J. Jonah Jameson. I'm just saying, like, they're not treating his character, even though we would laugh along. Okay. His character was not a joke. His character is a joke in this one, and that's a real shame. That's a real shame, even though he's a jokey character that we are meant to laugh at, he's a real person. And and we don't ever get that moment like in the first one where he defends Spider-Man, where he goes, yeah, the stuff comes in the mail. I don't know Peter Parker. In other words, he's he's trying to protect him. I, I really feel really buddy already. I don't buy that. But also, the, what's happening with the effects? The aerial effects, if they run out of budget, like that doesn't look good. That, that looks like PS2. What was that? what were those physics um but yeah it just it feels as though the the stuff at this at the end here is the movie pooping i don't know how to how else to describe it so the movie has a, has eaten a bunch of got mj peter sandman james franco jk simmons news reporter Character arc, character arc, character arc, character arc, character arc, character arc. And it's like...
this is just the excrement of what the film had left. It had to get it out. There was nowhere for it to go. So it all had to come out here. I hate that I drew this analogy right as there's like something, it literally looks like a poop monster, like a dry poop monster, but a poop monster nonetheless. What defeated him? I'm not clear what, also what is with that venom growl? That is some leftover effects from fucking Jurassic Park. But that's not an insult to Jurassic Park. I'm saying like it's the unused one. The one they tried for a dinosaur. And they're like, no, that doesn't sound, that's not in line with our quality. I don't care about this fight because y'all have no relationship. It was a joke when you said that you took away his girl because you didn't do that over the course of a season. Is Topher Grace, I, I do feel as though Topher Grace is a little bit Tommy Lee Jones here, is, is just not sure of the tone. I don't know what happened. Topher Grace is a really great actor. He's, a, he's actually very funny. With the right script, he could have been not necessarily an intimidating Venom, I don't think, but a comedic villain for sure i don't i just i can't i can't stand that growl i really just i don't like it and the, and by the way we were talking about the the 90s show eddie brock was a fucking asshole you know so when he turned into venom it was believable that he was worse than peter ever was when he took the black suit on he in this one he's just kind of a dick and ultimately you know because venom is is an extension right if if the green goblin is a reaction and a and the hide of the jekyll then the venom is darkness excreted right so it has to be a pretty dark character for it to come out that dark the poop analogies keep keep on coming but in other words i just i think venom was just ill-conceived and this feels a little a little cheap Ooh, venom has cakes so i want that is one thing you can say there has never been a spider-man movie that has gotten the cakes wrong i'm gonna just leave it at that I don't like this. I don't think that's good. I'm not motivated. This feels a little anticlimactic because what are the stakes at this point? Mary Jane is safe. James Franco's already been stabbed. What what would he even really do? Dr. Octavius almost blew up the city, right? He nearly he nearly drowned Peter and Mary Jane, crushed them, drowned them. And there was a big giant sun ready to explode, which would decimate all of New York. And also, why would this kill Venom? I don't understand why that killed Venom. Is he sub Wow, that's... This movie doesn't establish what those bombs do because James Franco has a little bit of makeup on the side of his face and Venom was melted into oblivion right then. 
I don't like this at all. This ending is not my favorite. Um, what what is this with this? Okay, so I had no choice. Are we still talking about your the your uncle? This again, it it feels like something that is extra. This is something that if if you're looking at the the movie and the stuff with Sam in, and you go, there's not enough here. You put something here. Because ultimately what would happen is he would just put Sandman in prison. But no, we have to talk about the uncle. And another Batman flashback. No, leave him alone. Leave Cliff Robertson alone. R.I.P. He was so, so good. So good. I'm out, by the way. Hopefully you're not out. Maybe I'll get better at these things as I keep doing them. But you know what? You're not going to be great at something unless you try it a few times. This is Bumblefly, by the way. I got him in New York at the Botanical Gardens. Bumblefly, Bumblefly, does whatever a Bumblefly's. Lights his butt, then he glows. That's right. It, he is a hoe. Okay, back to this. I just couldn't, I just don't care about this flashback. Um, also, I didn't even think about this. What happened with the daughter? Did we have another scene with Flint Marco talking about his daughter? Or even talking to his daughter? There is an episode, what this should have been, there's an episode of Batman the Animated Series where a deadbeat dad gets the ability to cloak himself, become invisible? Something. Something. And he tries to be there for his kid, but it's a really toxic way and the mom is afraid. And Batman has to help her so that it... it, it the theming of the episode is it's not just saving the kid's life it's like saving her from this negative imprint right so i think that could have worked something like with the daughter more with the daughter sometimes in these comic book movies really the secret to their success is a simple believable relationship Would Spider-Man let him go? Is that him killing himself? No, he's flying. Yeah, I know he's flying away. Where is he going? I don't feel in this moment that Peter's trauma relating to his Uncle Ben's death is any different. Also, wow, he's been dying for a long time. I didn't even think about that. Peter has literally been pissing into the wind uh, with the Sandman and his friend has been bleeding out. You're Spider-Man. You don't want to fly this man to a hospital? Mary Jane, why didn't you scream and be like, hey, stop talking to the villain? 
The other villain is dying, but we don't want this one to die. Ay, 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 caramba. I don't like this. This should have been... I feel like my partner's going to come home soon. And it's going to interrupt the... The sheer brilliance of what's happening. This is James Franco having a death scene. And I just... I just can't with it. Oh, Peter. And then here's... And then here's... It's... It's juxtaposed. It's James Franco dying. That's a pretty cool shot. And Toby Maguire crying. Which I will say in different scenes, I want to cry because Toby Maguire is crying. He's great at crying. It's just the it's the combination of the two that is too much for me. I love, I love, I want to be make it clear. I love Toby Maguire's crying in the right context. Like when in the first one when Uncle that's the most heartbreaking comic book movie death ever is the uncle ben death and he's his crying reaction oh my god or when he cries in the car talking to uncle ben in his like memory dream oh man he's great at crying is that is that flash was that Behind MJ, was that Flash? Joe Mangiolo... I don't want to butcher his name. Joe M. from Magic Mike. Man. To end on a positive note. Spider-Man No Way Home did a lot of really wonderful things. One thing it did is make this okay. Because of the way Tobey Maguire showed up to fucking work in No Way Home. And told either Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland, they made it work through the adversity. I think this could have been a great capper to a movie that was more streamlined, where... All of the fat was trimmed, and at the end of the day, it was about two people struggling to love each other the right way. And this movie really could have been that. I don't know if this commentary meant anything. I don't think it was a waste of time because I had a good, I a good idea of... why I needed to revisit this film and it was to come upon the semblance of a story I would like to tell someday. And I wanted to see something that I don't particularly enjoy better. And actually, even though I, I mocked the ending a lot and most of the Venom stuff and the backstory with Ben's death and some of the confusing tonal shifts, things with Gwen, um, in relation to the suit, the black suit. This works. Just dancing and then a fade to black. It's 
about to give me uh, an advertisement for the crown. So I'm going to go ahead and mute the screen before it does that. But that was Spider-Man 3. I've had a really good time chatting with just myself. These are probably just going to be, if, unless I have a guest on, just kind of experimental monologues and me trying to wrestle with scenes. And I don't think I talked enough about the technical aspects of this movie, but I really just want to see what comes out because I think a lot about movies and I want to talk in a deep way about the ones that really make an impact on me for better or for worse. And it's never, I don't do these things to make myself seem smart or to knock down the really hard work of a bunch of talented people in Hollywood. But I think that criticism is really important. We should think actively about what we consume and anything that I put out there down the road whether it be a movie or this fucking podcast it deserves to be critiqued and i welcome all critique if anybody has thoughts about you know how lame i am as a person or how wrong my ideas are it's a part of this industry and i've come to just accept that you're going to get good and bad criticism and ultimately all of the things that i've said don't matter because I can't affect these people. We sometimes think that, right? We sometimes think, oh, you're making me mad. And we certainly can hurt people. And and being harmful with our language absolutely matters. We should not seek to inflict wounds with our words. And also we shouldn't be ignorant about the ways we can be doing that because a lot of people hurt without realizing it just by opening their mouth. And we should all seek to learn. But what I'm saying is, if I said something in that commentary and somebody that worked on this movie is upset, then they have every right to talk to me. They probably won't. And I have every opportunity to receive that reaction. And it goes on from there. It's a dialogue. But just remember that we are in charge of ourselves. So for example, I, I was really just talking about all that because if you are a creator like me with a goofy set of um, amenities and not a lot of experience and you're very new to the trade, whatever the trade may be, light your own fire fuel your own ship because no one else is going to do it for you and if people detract if they say you suck if there's nothing that you can glean from it you know constructively then don't use it don't internalize what does not serve you and move forward and and we can do this in our everyday, whether it's family or friends or our coworkers or the stranger on the street or serving us drinks. These people can trigger us. They can be rude to us, but ultimately we are in charge. And if you ever need help and you don't happen to know a Spider-Man or a Venom, <clears throat> um, hopefully you have some loved ones who can help you.
when you have a support system when it's too much. Anyway, that was Spider-Man 3. I'm sure I'll come back for more Spider-Man. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm not trying to overly plan these out. I want to just kind of do them every week and then my bed is rumbling. Maybe I'll get some food and do them every week and then just sort of have it be whatever I decide to do. So if it's a comic book movie or a really important queer film and everything in between and just sort of be less contrived about it. Thank you so much. And this is your friendly neighborhood podcaster for the Q2Q network signing off.